So Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. I believe the Passion Translation has it, spiritual priests is, is how they translate this, wise men. Of course, the Greek word uh, gives us the word magi, okay? Not magi, but magi, okay? Uh, and so who were the, the magi? That's, that's the big thing. What I want us to look at here, we might start this off as a series or a small mini-series, because what I want to look at is the real Jesus, Fascinating things about Jesus that tradition has caused to be obscured from our knowledge. But as we go deeper and plow deeper into not just um, the world, but also history, we will see things about Jesus that we maybe have never seen before. And so that's what I want us to look at this morning, uh, beginning with this. So as a Christmas message, but we'll, we'll, if we do continue as a series... We'll go into Jesus' manhood as well. Now, this is what the Magi were saying. Where is he that is born King of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem, of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And thou Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, or, or Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Let me just pause here to say that Herod, the king of the Jews at that time, was a usurper of Jesus' royal throne and title. Okay? He was not a descendant of David. He was an Idumean, he was an Edomite. He was not in the succession of the kings of Judah. So he was a usurper and Jesus called him a fox, remember. So he, he, he didn't belong uh, in his office in terms of because for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Jesus was the rightful king. And of course, because people knew that, people or disciples knew that, they always expected that Jesus would overthrow Herod, defeat the Romans, and set up his kingdom on earth. And that's why uh, there was such uh, disappointment and despair when Jesus was crucified, because it looked like Herod had won over this use, over to, to what was Herod. To, to Herod, Jesus was a usurper, but he was the rightful king. And Herod was the, the, the wrong one, if you like, the pretender. The usurper. So anyway, it says here, Then Herod, when he privily called his wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. Called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Okay? So, it was standing over where Jesus was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down 
and worshipped him. And when they'd opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Okay? We'll leave it there in terms of the scripture because what I want to concentrate on today is this Sunday school story has been so heavily obscured by religion that its awesome meaning has been almost lost to us. That's why we need to look at these wise men more closely because it's, it's important that we see what's really going on here. And actually history helps us, historical records help us uh, by telling us some facts that feed into this story. And, you know, we can maybe get the idea that they saw a star one night and thought, oh, that's great, that must mean there's a king being born. Let's just trundle over to Jerusalem, you know, and it all happened within 48 hours. No, 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 no. There were months of preparation because these wise men, the Magi, lived hundreds of miles away. Okay? And it's important to, to, to look at what's really going on here. You will not that nowhere does the Bible record the three wise men children's story. You see, we've got this number three because there were three gifts mentioned, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, of course, the reality is that no one knows how many magi came to give homage to the infant Jesus. And at this point, Jesus was an infant. He wasn't just a swaddling baby, he was an infant. It should also be noted that Jesus was no longer a little baby at this point, as I said, but was a toddler. This is why the Idumean Herod, King Herod, ordered that all male children up to the age of two years should be slain. In other words, he was hedging his bets that any, any male child born in the last two years could potentially be the Messiah who was the rightful heir to his throne and office. So he says, well, just kill up to two years then. We see that murderous spirit, don't we, in Pharaoh. We see it uh, throughout history. We see even today that the, the slaying of children, unborn children as well, that spirit is still with us to this day. Why? Because God wants, sorry, that God wants children in the earth bearing his image, and Satan hates that. And of course, this child, this Christ child, the Holy Child, was, in terms of earthly things, the true heir to David's throne, but also, of course, the devil understood the spiritual dimension to it, which is that Jesus would be uh, the, the Messiah. It wasn't just an earthly political thing, it was a spiritual thing too. Anyway, so the Magi came from the region of Parthia, that's what's important to understand. East of where they were, wise men from the east was the Parthian Empire, okay? Uh, and that was to the east of Palestine. Now, there's a wonderful uh, work on the Parthian Empire by a man called Stephen Collins, and he tells us that Rome and Parthia were rival superpowers at this point in history. Okay, they were rivals, just like you would say maybe today, America and Russia. Uh, Rome and Parthia were two separate empires. The Parthian Empire was vast, and it was to the east of the Roman Empire. And it was, they were rival superpowers. Ro Rome ruled the Mediterranean area, while Parthia dominated Asian territory. 
from what is modern day Surrey all the way to India. So it included places like Iran and so on. Palestine, while within the Roman Empire, was very close to the Parthian border, which was near the Euphrates River. So that's where these wise men came from. We just maybe have this, oh, they came from somewhere mysterious and unknown. No, they came, they came from a physical location called Parthia, okay? So prior to the birth of Christ, Rome and Parthia had fought various wars, but were holding a truce at the time of the Saviour's advent. There had been a long truce. In 40 BC, Parthia had actually swept Rome out of Palestine and installed a Jewish vassal king named Antigonus, who ruled for about three years. This is several decades before Jesus was born. Antigonus was popular with those Judahites or Jews who despised the Idumean Herodian dynasty. Okay. So Herod wasn't always, he wasn't a popular king among many factions. Herod fled when Antigonus, sorry, Antigonus became ruler of Palestine, but he was reinstated in 37 BC by Mark Antony of uh, great fame if you've seen the films. Cleopatra, Mark Antony, who had Antigonus beheaded. Mark Antony then attempted an invasion of Parthia itself, but was comprehensively routed by the excellent Parthian military. Rome feared Parthia. This is the backdrop to the Christmas story. And it's because we just read this, and oh, that's a, a nice wee sweet story. But to go into the details of it shows us the geopolitical things going on at the time, which, which, which were, were fascinating and, and make the story of, we've just read Matthew chapter 2, make far more sense. Remember that Joseph had to go to Bethlehem because it says in Luke chapter 2, he was of the house and lineage of David. You see, Jesus' ancestry, his Davidic ancestry, is key to the Christmas story and key to this particular aspect of his life, his, the, the real Jesus, if you like. So, by the time Jesus was born, many Judites in Palestine remembered the brief period of Parthian rule with fond memories. The detente between Parthia and Rome existed between 36 BC and 58 AD long after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, a period which covered both the entire earthly walk of Christ and a significant part of early church history. A lot of church history, the early church, was in that period of detente between Parthia and Rome. We just think that Rome was, you know, Rome conquered everything, but it didn't conquer Parthia. Amen? So, and that's so important because what happened with these magi and why they were there, which we'll see. It became a principle of Roman foreign policy laid down by Augustus and followed by all the early Caesars, including Tiberius, that Rome's eastern boundaries were firmly set and that no expansion would be attempted which would incite the feared Parthians into a very costly war. We all think Rome just wanted to keep conquering, keep conquering. But Rome and Augustus and all the Caesar said, don't go further. Don't try and invade Parthia, which is where these wise men came from. The Parthians, as Stephen Collins' uh, magnificent research has proven, were in fact descendants of Israelites. 
Okay, they were Israelites themselves from the captivities of both the northern kingdom of Ephraim, Israel, and the southern kingdom of Judah. So these magi were coming from a people who are fellow Israelites, but had been scattered by the captivities that were recorded in the Old Testament. Firstly, of the northern kingdom of Israel, then the southern kingdom of Judah. The Magi were one of two power blocks in Parthia. They were influential people, including priests descended from Levi of non-royal lineage. The Magi served the other power block in Parthia, who were the Arsacids. You can read a lot about the Arsacid dynasty online in history books. The, the Arsacids were royalty and aristocracy. Okay, they were of Davidic descent. The Arsacids could trace their descent from both Phares of the Judah line and David. Collins, Stephen Collins, puts forward a very credible hypothesis that there may have been 12 Magi visiting the infant Jesus. So not three, but maybe 12. With one representing the 12 tribes, each one, sorry, representing the 12 tribes of Israel. It is entirely possible that Israelite tribal identity may still have been recognised and emphasised within Parthia, which is fascinating to think that the Parthians were people who were descended from Israel, who had been scattered out of the land, had set up their kingdom in a vast region of territory that extended all the way to India. And it's possible they may have recognised still the 12 tribes that they belonged to. Also, Collins points out that the party of Magi may have been escorted, and this is, this is the bit I'm trying to uh, get across, by hundreds of troops and also incorporated a large entourage, entourage of animal handlers, cooks and servants. Indeed, Josephus records that wealthy Jews, listen to this, would travel with treasures from the Parthian region with tens of thousands of soldiers as guards. In those days, it wasn't safe to travel and take great uh, goods with you unless you had a virtual army guarding it because there were bandits, there were other, you know, there were other uh, places, people that would try and steal it from you, take it by force. You know, it was a wild, wild place to be in the Middle East uh, at that time. So you had to guard what you had. And in fact, just a wee side thing is that Paul, we know that Paul was a tent maker. Okay? Uh, that was his profession. Now we think, oh well, when we think that Paul was a tent maker, we think a wee white sheet with two poles, like a scout tent. Okay? But that's, that's not what tent maker was. A tent maker was somebody who made uh, travelling dwellings for rich merchants and rich nobles. And these people would travel with loads and loads of soldiers and, and an entourage, cooks, animal handlers. They would take everything on the road with them, their families and everything else. So they wanted to live in the same luxury on the road that they lived in back in their big houses and palaces. So tent making was a very lucrative pr profession and involved a lot of, uh, you know, uh, building and um, also using fine linen, silks, that type of thing. See, the real story, you know, we just read things and we have our filters. Like I said, tent maker, we think you just took a wee daft tent. But that's not what it was. It was travelling dwellings for wealthy people. 
And so these magi came in that type of caravan and, and may have had thousands of troops with them. Like Joseph has recorded, this was very common. And of course, we have to presume that a visiting party of dignitaries representing the royal faction in Parthia would travel with a massive heavily armed escort. Several factors support this. See, when they turned up at, you know, you say, well, first think about it this way. If you and I went down to London, how would we get in to see the Queen? Think about it. Well, we party of us went down in a minibus. And we went to see the Queen because we've hit. You know, put this into perspective. How did these men have access to Herod? Just a travelling band. Travelling people were coming in and out of Jerusalem all the time. So how did they get into Herod? They must have had credentials. But listen to this. The, uh, Matthew chapter 2 verse 3 tells us, All Jerusalem was troubled by the visit of the Magi. If the travelling party was small, why would Jerusalem be troubled by their visit? You know, if we went down in a minibus to Buckingham Palace today, how would all London know we were there? Think about it. We sometimes have to read what the Bible says and understand, well, why? You know, why would that be? Why would, it, why would all Jerusalem be troubled by a wee small party of men come along with some trinkets of gold and a, a wee bottle of frankincense? Doesn't make sense, does it? Clearly the caravan was large enough to cause some to think that it may have been an invading force. If you said right now there's a large, large band of people coming to the city, there's loads of soldiers, you would be thinking, Are they, have they, is, this, is this a war? Do you understand what I'm saying? Also, the Magi were quite open about the reason for their visit, declaring they were come to pay homage to one born king of the Jews. Think about it. Herod is the king of the Jews. And they have came up with this big party and have said, eh, we're, we're, we're seeking somebody who's, who's a true king. It was intimidating and a threat to the city, or certainly to Herod's reign. Given that this was Herod's job, he was remarkably calm about it. Again, this points to the travelling band as being a fairly large and intimidating horde, one which Herod would not wish to antagonise. Think about that. If he went down just now and says, we found somebody who's the true heir to the throne of Britain, we would get arrested when he's called security. But Herod didn't. Herod was, Herod was antagonised. He, he was intimidated, sorry. And didn't want him upset because there were so many in their party. It would appear. Stephen Collins puts forward the argument the summit meeting, and this is, this is a historical thing, there was a summit meeting between Rome and Parthia which took place not long after this. They believe, he believes, and I think scholars believe it was a response by Rome to this visit of the Magi thinking, well, we, we thought it was an invading force, it was that big. So they, so they called a summit meeting. And listen to this, this is a historical thing. They then, after, bolstered Roman military presence in the region, all because of this party from uh, the Magi, from the Arsacid dynasty, from the Parthians. They realised we need to bolster our defences here. This is what's going on as the backdrop to this 
Christmas story that we have as a wee queen Sunday school thing, put it on a freeze and all that. But this is the reality of the geopolitics at the time. Now watch this. It says here, the massive caravan would no doubt have contained a train of pack animals laden with treasure for the newborn king. Collins quite rightly asserts that the gifts the Magi brought with them would have been a huge fortune fit for a king not a few trinkets of gold and a dab of myrrh and frankincense. We have this image that they brought Jesus, maybe a wee Warren James gold bracelet and a wee bottle of oil in it. There's some mercy. That's just to bless you. But, you know, they travelled hundreds of miles over months to do that. I think that. They, they believed that this babe was born king of the Jews and they also believed he was the rightful heir to their narcissist throne. So when you fund a king, you don't just take a wee, you know, a wee train like that there, put some trinkets in it, there you go, there you go, that's for you. They believe that the, the pack animals were laden, that the gold, the myrrh and frankincense was in big, big amounts. And that's why they had to have all those soldiers with them, because there was so much gold. So there's a distinct possibility that Jesus may have been regarded by the Parthians as a legitimate heir to the Arsacid dynasty who were Davidic royalty. They understood. And it's also, there's also another belief that, they were, that these Magi were descendants of people taught by King Dante, by the prophet Daniel. And so they, they, they understood there's going to be born a, a, a Messiah. And they were you know, looking at the stars and different things and, and uh, for that in the appearance in the sky. Regardless of the financial situation of Jesus' parents, Jesus' parents were Davidic royalty. They were descended from the house of, of David. And again, put that into perspective and say, if one of us was of the house of Windsor, you'd think, oh, well, that's royalty, wouldn't you? Well, Jesus' parents were Davidic royalty. That's why they had to go to Bethlehem. Joseph had to go. and took Mary with him. So the chances of them being royalty and poor were very slim. But even if they were poor, regardless of their financial situation, this means that from a very early age, Jesus was funded on the scale of a king. Okay? because of this massive caravan. The size of the tribute brought by the Magi would have made Jesus extremely wealthy from his infancy. And you could say that Jesus was the richy rich of his day. One reason why people find it so hard to accept that Jesus was wealthy in his time on earth, particularly from such a young age, is that the concept of earned wealth is so hardwired into our Western culture. Jesus was funded because of who he, he was as Davidic royal. So that's the backdrop to it. I've kind of run out of time now. There's so much more to this uh, story and we're going to look at it and go into uh, Jesus uh, as a man and some of the things, you know, was Jesus a carpenter? Here's the thing, the Bible never says Jesus was a carpenter. I should have kept that till next time. But it doesn't, it says that people called him a carpenter. 
People said a lot of things about Jesus that weren't true. So he may have been a carpenter, but if he was, what does that word mean? We're going to look at that. What it means in the Greek, in the amazing message, in that if Jesus was a carpenter, he certainly wasn't a white van man, you know, odd job and playing like table legs. Uh, what does it mean? We'll look at that. Uh, if, as I said, we continue, we'll probably get round to it even if we don't at some stage. But it's fascinating to look at Scripture without the baggage of, you know, tradition and, and understand. And when you understand the history, the backdrop at the time, where these wise men, what the word magi meant, where they came from, um, you know, we three kings of Orient are and all that stuff, nice hymns, but who they really were and why they were there and who they came from, and why Herod was so troubled, and why Jerusalem was, was scared. And that's actually all part of a historical record. They were, they were shook up by this visit of this uh, Magi train, this caravan train. So I hope that's blessed you folks today. It's not our usual type of message, but I just felt, being Christmas, it would be nice to cover some of these things. And it'd be great to carry on this. Uh, there's some wonderful truths, facts even, about Jesus life and career that we and some of it is not biblical in the sense that a lot of it is tradition we can look at some of that as well we don't preach tradition we preach the bible but there are things to look at in terms of where was jesus in his missing years that type of thing all fascinating stuff um, but that's but this uh, christmas story is a lot more than just a wee sunday school tale amen the lord bless you folks let's now uh, close our service by singing our last hymn and also of course reminding ourselves of who Jesus really is because it's not Jesus the wee baby uh, in the manger that we're dealing with today it's Jesus and it's not Jesus that walked the shores of Galilee's that we're dealing with today it's the risen ascended glorified Lord it's Jesus as he is right now in all of his glory and majesty and so let's remind ourselves of that by singing our last hymn, which is 103, and it is Jesus as Lord, creation's voice proclaimed. Let's remind ourselves that this little baby born in a manger is no longer a wee baby in swaddling clothes, but is the King of glory, and he's coming back to rule and reign over the whole cosmos. But in the meantime, we serve him as his people on earth. Amen.